I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today's episode comes right from you guys. Rustin has been on the podcast before. He's a diesel enthusiast, been around uh, the community for a really long time. I wanted to catch up with him, chat about some things that are going on with the Freedom Convoy and missions, his thoughts on it, um, you know, things as a diesel enthusiast that he's you know really paying attention to and and uh, you know trying to navigate. Is the RPM Act going to pass? What you know, our electric vehicle is going to take over diesel. So we're going to sit down and, and chat with them. Before we get to it, though, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, which is Kershaw Knives. We had chatted with them recently about their new releases for 2022. And what's really cool about them is they offer a complete lineup of products, whether, you know, you're looking for something at the shop or at home. Um, if you're into the outdoors and need something to fill a role there, they have a ton of different products from, you know, priced really for any budget and they've got some really cool things so make sure and go to kershaw.kiausa.com you can check out their releases for this year and also their complete product line you can search by you know what your budget is or the use they make it super easy also want to encourage you guys if you're not on our discord make sure and head on over we just eclipsed 400 members on there we're shooting for 500 next it's a great place to be able to chat about your truck ask questions um you know discuss products that you're running builds get help from other people it's totally free to join so just uh, make sure and click the link down below. You'll also see the code on the screen. Head on over. I want to see you guys on there. And also Patreon. We wanted to thank uh, all, all of our subscribers on there and also the influx we've had um, recently. We really appreciate that support. It helps us grow. You'll find a link down below if you'd like to support us. Um, we've got packages starting you know, as low as $3 a month. And it helps us to be able to continue to grow with our technology, the things that we do, um, and be able to bring you the best content, the best stories, the best information that you can find on your diesel truck. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Rustin and talking about the diesel community, news, things that are going on in diesel and how it's all affecting us. Rustin, welcome back to the diesel podcast. It's been a little bit since we chatted and it feels like uh, a lot. Well, a lot has definitely gone on since the last time we talked. I think we're talking about emissions, I think kind of right before everything really kind of got mainstream. And I know there was a lot of tension. Um, on uh, the last episode we did about it and some people were like oh this will never happen and then you know it happens shortly after and it's mainstream now we you know we're all all kind of uh used to or have adapted to it but it's going to be uh, great to chat with you today and and uh you know let's chat about diesel trucks like tons of different things so welcome back to the podcast well thank you for having me uh i i totally appreciate it. and hello diesel nation miss talk to y'all uh what let me get the disclaimer out real quick. Anything I say does not reflect the diesel podcast or the people involved with it. <laughs> so I'm going to just go ahead and let off since you opened up with the diesel emission stuff, you know, when the pandemic hit, it seems like they went all in on everything. And, uh, and I'm just going to let loose on a lot of this stuff. Cause this, this kind of really burns me of what went down and how people reacted and what was said and all kind and a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> so let's go back to 2008 real quick when they started pushing the emissions and all that stuff back then, um, they kind of laid off because everybody says the economy went to crap and it, it was a weird time in 2008. I'll yeah. agree with that. Um, <clears throat> but 
as things progressed, they doubled down. And then they just started pushing and pushing and pushing. And then California Air Resource Board decided, oh, we got all kinds of polluters that are just doing all kinds of stuff. So they pretty much turned in a lot of diesel performance products makers uh, across the country. A lot of people don't realize that, but that's exactly what happened. Some of, some of them happened. Well, the other thing is, is the EPA, they didn't want to go after just major polluters. No, because they have money and they're litigious. So they went after the low hanging fruit and that low hanging fruit was a lot of your small businesses, you know, your shops and everything. And the guys that can make their own parts and all that great stuff. Uh, so that was very effective for them and they paid, uh, certain, um, uh, agencies like the FBI and all of them that have their own search engine. And, uh, they, their search engine. And once again, my background, everyone is search engine manipulation. I've been manipulating Google for a long time. And just because I'm driving a truck doesn't mean I'm still doing it. I got all kinds of interesting stuff going on. Um, they, they, we've, I think a lot of us do know that the government has their own search engine that's just unfettered and they can find all kinds of interesting stuff, including, you know, what's in the dark web as well. And, um, but they were able to find stuff through forum posts. Basically, we kind of gave ourselves up uh, through the forum posts. And I think a lot of them missed the mark when I told a lot of them that they could have used a certain tool called Spider Spanker. Um, it was quite big a while back but i don't think a lot of them use spider spanker what they end up doing was the ops opposite by putting the google search feature right on their forum so they basically said here crawl our forum and it basically gave up everything you know and and they went after it and then the gas guys they were giggling oh look at the diesel guys are getting nailed for breaking the law ha 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 and then they got nailed they didn't want to jump the fight. And I was not happy about that. And there was a lot of nitpicking and backbiting. There was a lot of organizations. Well, I don't break the law, but you know, you know, and I'm glad so-and-so got, cause he was crooked. It, there was a lot of backbiting and stuff. And there was some guys that would never claim the fact that they got hit by the um, EPA, you know, and I knew full well who got hit by the EPA because it was all public record. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, you, you know, and for them to lie like that, I was like, you guys are out of your mind. You know, you guys are going for a small piece of the pie. You guys don't want to unite for nothing. And you just want to argue simply because, oh, well, so-and-so, you know, he does this and so-and-so does that. So I'm kind of glad they got nailed. And then when they get nailed, oh, they have nobody to blame but themselves. But it was kind of interesting on YouTube, all these guys, especially the cast guys, when they finally got nailed, Oh, we need to get on with the RPM act and blah, blah, blah. I was like, where were you guys? Where were you guys when the diesel guys went down? Yeah, it was, it was really, um, something just following diesel for a long time that I had seen. I think it was maybe 20, I don't remember the exact year, 2012, 13, 14. There was a big, you know, name in diesel that gotten in, in trouble and changed, you know, what they did and it still didn't stop. And we've had, you've been on, um, you know, other guests that we've had in different parts of the diesel aftermarket were on for a long time saying, Hey, this is coming. This is happening. There are, um, you know, people right. being served. There are things that are happening. People's businesses are being threatened. And 
I still feel in a way like there's almost a disconnect between you know, what, what happens kind of with a few big companies and then a lot of shops and the general public, I see it all the time. Um, or we'll, uh, you know, see posts and things like that where someone says, Hey, how do I do this to my truck? I, you know, who does this, who does this? And it's like one with the amount of, uh, of, of power that these agencies have is they're, they're very powerful. They can do a lot to your business, to lots of different things. And so it's not like you just go into a search engine and find this stuff anymore. And I know, you know truck owners get frustrated because they want to do X, Y, Z and can't find that anymore, but there are real mm-hmm. repercussions. And I do remember seeing during the pandemic is, you know, people were getting things in the mail. So just because there was social distancing and a lot of other things involved doesn't mean those enforcements, um, that were happening with the mission stopped. People still got things. And so it's a very dynamic situation, but I think you're absolutely right. It was for a long time. Like, Oh, look at the diesel guys. Cause it's so easy to see. You see that big cloud of smoke come out. I don't know if I see a, you know, a gas car, or a gas truck, what's necessarily done to it or uh, you know, what parts it does or doesn't have on it. And now both, both of them are under the microscope. Oh, it's, it will, it's just the sign of the times now. And since nobody wants to really, they, you, you, it's great that we have a couple of YouTube people that are on there and trying to for, push, you know, we need to unite and all that great stuff, but it's hard to unite people that don't want to unite either. You know, you've yeah. got some people it's like, oh, so-and-so is going to be a part. That's the whole point. Like when I was in with, with the SEMO organization, I'm still with the SEMO organization, but I was trying to start a section because not only did we had diesel pickup trucks, but we also had, um, diesel cars and all kinds of things that, that could have been a part of that. And I wanted to start just a section just for diesel, you know, before the electric cars started coming and, um, nobody wanted to get involved with it. I had a couple of people write something out and I will, I will back it. And I was like, sure, I'll get that done. And I started making phone calls and phone calls. Oh, you're going to have so-and-so part of this. And I'm going to be very vague, gentle people out there. And, uh, I'm not here to try and get people to jump on any business or go blast their, uh, social media. That's the reason why I'm going to be vague. It's just, it's not worth it. There's no reason for a fight on this. It's that this subject right here is a little dead subject, except for the emissions part. Um, so a lot of people were pretty much upset with any other shop that, or business that does diesel parts to be part of this. So it fell apart and I'm like going, ah, finally I could do something with us. And we could have just been the start of something that we could have felt we could have been at least utilizing the resources that SEMA had in order to help protect what we have. You know, I think the only next step now in this whole phase is what's next for diesel performance. Well, here's what I'm looking at. We're going to have to start seeing someone that has a foundry or has access to a foundry and start uh, producing blocks that aren't under federal regulation. And then we start taking these blocks and we put them in the vehicles that are not under federal regulation. So there's a lot of vehicles out there that are pre-1974 that we could put diesels in. You, you'd mentioned the RPM Act, and I want to get your opinion on something is, you know, we're, we've had some guests on that ex- have explained the RPM Act um, from a legal perspective, and then also people that support it. But what I wanted to ask you is, do you think it's viable as an act to pass in today's climate? Or do you think it 
it may have needed to be supported before or it's something in the future, but right now in 2022, is it something you could see being passed through both chambers of, uh, of Congress and, you know, getting on the white house desk and it becomes a law of the land. In my opinion, with emotions involved and no facts behind it, because I'm pretty much wiping away all the information that the RPM act stands for. I think if it, does get passed there's going to be a lot of rules and junk in there that is going to make it very hard for us to do anything and the simple fact is i you know it's it's not going to be pretty you know there's going to be some give and take and it's not going to be good for us the end user in the end anyways because it looks like everything is going to filter over to uh, electric vehicles and i think we we stroked on that a while back you know that they want to kill in at least in california i don't know about the rest of the country but in california they don't want any more diesel uh or not diesel just um internal combustion engines period by 2040 but it seems like it's been accelerated maybe they're going to try and meet with what germany and the rest of them are going because germany already pushed no more internal combustion engines and this is after they told the rest of the world we're not going to send any more diesels to the united states because they don't respect the diesel platform uh this was the president someone google that fact check us please fill blow it blow that up you know let us know because that's i believe that you know this is the direction they're forcing us to go to and, and they say it's good because this will help spark um, uh, the um, the entrepreneurs to come up with the infrastructure that they cannot produce. Yeah. So well, that's that's the uh, the big question mark with it is, and there's so many new electric vehicles coming out, and you look at the power that they make and how quick the acceleration is. And if you like to go fast or you like performance, they're fantastic. Um, but when you think of the infrastructure needed for it, not just say in California, but you know, let's take all 50 States. There's a lot of work to be done and I'm sure there will be business opportunities and things for entrepreneurs to be able to get charging stations and other things, but it seems so far off yet. We have this push to do it now or very soon, especially, you know, not just from the political side, but then also from the big three and other automakers where, you know, they're going all in with it. And it's like, yeah, I saw something with with General Motors talking about fleets, uh, these uh, fleets of electric trucks, and I don't remember the specifications for what they would do. But it's like, okay, if we're going to do that, how do we support it? How do we have the power? How do we how, just how do you do it in 2022? It doesn't seem like it's possible. So it's just like, I don't know. I'm just confused. You know what? Uh, what direction is it going to go? Is there still going to be an opportunity to have diesel pickup trucks? Are they still going to fill? Um, or be able to do the jobs that they're designed to do, which is to hoe, to you know, tow and haul and do tons of different things. Um, the payload capacity versus this battery that's, technology. Right now, that's where we're at, and it's kind of funny because a lot of your um, your hot shot short hauler guys. Well, they're not really short haulers. Some of them are doing cross country as well, and they're under Department of Transportation. They have to go through the scales and have a e log like the rest of us. Um, those guys there, they're spending dog on near as much as it would cost a regular, just buying a used, well, buying a used truck is now more expensive. The dog on market is freaking insane. And I don't know why we're rewarding bad behavior by buying these vehicles anyways, because, well, Hey, I got to feed my family. I get it. 
could you fi keep fi fixing your truck? Well, wait a second. We got a part shortage. I'm better off getting a new truck and get a warranty done. Well, now you're waiting a month for your warranty to get to get to find a part because of all this stuff that's been going down. Uh, I just feel like we're we've been under a, 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 a not only a psychological attack but an economic attack as well. Um, it, it's been quite interesting this whole year. I mean, we saw oil prices drop to the floor in the negatives. Uh, simply because the contracts were called and we had ships out there waiting, but that didn't sl slow down, you know, the prices of fuel, they still went up uh, and it was no longer cheap. So they had to make, here's so much stuff that it makes you sound, makes a person sound like a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> <laughs> but it can't be a conspiracy theory. If it's, if it's true, it's the odd part about it. Um, but with, with the last SEMA show that I went to, even though there wasn't a lot of people, we actually broke one of my doggone uh, pieces of software. We hired a gentleman that works that used to uh, contract with Google and help set up a lot of their uh, algorithms. And um, we had a geofence put around just the SEMA show, and we were collecting information in order to remarket back to those people that came to the show for a lot of our clients that we have. And um, it was amazing. Even then, there was still more people, and I warned them that we'd probably end up breaking the system, and we end up doing it. So with the pandemic, a lot of people showed up. And there was some booths they wanted you to show up wearing your mask and they wouldn't talk to you unless you wore a mask. And if you, or there were some booths that really didn't care. Um, so it's just, it, there was a good amount of people there, but the main focus was electric and how to put electric components into your vehicles and make them viable. And um, well, then now there's software involved. Uh, I think I made a mention to one of my friends. I think, he, you know, if we were able to get into software engineering for a lot of these things, we'd probably be doing quite well. But a lot of the capabilities already now. I mean, here's another thing that we can go down a rabbit hole with conspiracy theorists and think about this, people. It could already be done with a lot of our vehicles now. Um, they could track how many miles we're driving a day. They could track our fuel consumption, or in this case, electricity consumption. And if the insurance company paid enough money into it, they will be able to track not only your miles of driving time and electricity consumption, but they can tra track how many times you do an emergency stop, how many times you could, it's already in the app. I think it was Allstate. Don't mess with my, my, uh, my uh, insurance score, you know, because those people are willingly to put that information on their cell phones just to save a couple of bucks here for insurance. Yeah. So now what happens if local law enforcement and all that stuff is connected? We're no longer free because this is corporations. They could do whatever they want and you have to agree to their terms of use. Oh, isn't that wonderful in order to use the vehicle? Like I said, we could do this now with our vehicle, current vehicles now, but with the electric vehicles, it's going to be more prevalent. What happens if you decide, you know, oh, let's do a cannonball, you know, with the new Tesla or the Porsche Cayenne or, or whatever vehicle is coming out to the Rivian, the pickup truck electric. Ooh, that's, I don't like the headlights of that thing, but it looks pretty cool. Um, 
But if you decide to do a cannonball, if we had the infrastructure shut up and you can be able to charge your vehicle in less than five minutes, I think the vehicle would brick because now you're exceeding your warranty and your use of vehicle and your insurance and all that great stuff. And you're outright being reckless in your driving. So your car is now bricked until they can figure out what to do with you and when they can trust you to be safe with your own vehicle. How's that for a conspiracy foot theory, folks? Yeah, there's a lot of information that uh, that vehicles, you know, have now. We think back 15 years or 10 years ago, what was in, say, you know, like a new Ram or Ford or, or Duramax to now it's entirely different. You know, when it comes to the electric vehicle push, do you think it's inevitable? <clears throat> do you think there's any space to be able to have in the future? I know this is kind of... And we kind of have to put aside the infrastructure for a little bit. But do you think that's going to be a, the majority of the vehicles on the road? Is it going to be something where there is, um, you know, a, a pickup truck that can do things similar and it's just something we got to get used to? Or, you know, is it going to be a split where maybe if you do, you know, you live near a city or something like that and, um, you know, you want to drive an electric vehicle, there's, there's a place for it, but you're always going to need these trucks. You're always going to need the ability to... Um, you know, tow, haul, whatever it might be with your three-quarter, one-ton truck? I think you've already answered your question. It's it's there, it, it's going to be inevitable. I mean, um, it, it just, it's it's so hard to under, figure that part out and want to say something that's going to be reassuring. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't mean to be trashing electric vehicles, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. They, they are, you can't get more efficient than that and torque at zero RPM. I mean, full torque. I mean, come on, that's pretty good. I mean, if, and, and you're putting them in a pickup platform that to be able to do the same thing. It's just right now we don't have enough miles for them, you know, and if we did it to semi trucks, we'd have to totally change some laws in order to change the weight rating of the vehicles, because now the trailer is going to have to have batteries. And then we got to figure out, so I'm saying it's, it's going to happen until another technology revolution comes in. And then right now we're also going through some possibilities of maybe uh, another war uh, on the horizon, you know, and that might change things. Maybe we'll go back a couple steps, but we're going to still keep the emissions going on. I don't know. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that they're pushing it to stay. We don't have a choice. And it's just going to take time for it to all come, come through to where it's usable. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard had conversations with people on both kind of sides of it where they say, well, what if, what if you could get a three quarter or one ton truck that makes more horsepower, more torque charges in five minutes. And you know, we might not be there quite yet with the battery technology, but you can get more range out of it than you can your DPF EGR equipped 2022 truck. Why would you be opposed to that? And then on the other side, we get into the discussions about the materials and the infrastructure or, or, and it's always been like this. If you're an automotive enthusiast, well, where's the sound? Where's the, the things that you love to see? Like when you go to the racetrack, that's not going to be there. I don't hear anything when this car goes out and runs nines or runs tens or something like that. If we could get rid of the controlling of our, I don't mean to say controlling of our freedom with software in these vehicles. And the whole, you know, not only signing the contracts in order to purchase the vehicle, but also, you know, signing the user agreement of how you're going to use the vehicle to their standards, I think it would be totally viable. But what freaks me out is what I've already stated earlier, the things that they can do. 
yeah. you know, so much for, you know, going a little, if you're going from, um, let's say Wyoming down to Denver, who wants to drive 65 the whole way there? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. It, you know, that's just not, it's just, no, forget it. I want to go 80. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, the, the speed limit in Wyoming is 80 right now, folks, but it's just, you're, you get the point that I'm saying. Um, and then if you want to take it to the track and race somebody without having to worry about your insurance company saying, oh, no, you can't do that. That's reckless and endangerment. And we don't want to pay for the damage to them to the vehicle. Half the time, people don't even report the damage to the vehicle. They just get it fixed because that's what happens when you race. Nobody wants their insurance to go up. Yeah. So there's so it, many it, there's so many sides to it. You know, there's so many there's so many different things with not just the infrastructure, not just um you know, just what we're used to, but then also, like you'd mentioned with information technology, how, how advanced these vehicles are. And it's currently in, in cars and trucks now. And how is that used? It, it's something to think about. Um, you know, overall, I've just, I've wanted to ask you guess that question is, is it inevitable? And yeah, I know, think it's inevitable. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it it seems like, and I think, I think that's what a lot of enthusiasts are looking for is, you know, what's, what's the path forward? Can I, okay, maybe I'm going to drive, you know, a Tesla or this new GM SUV or whatever, you know, truck is out there, but I want to have this race truck. Well, how do I do that? I hear about this RPM act. Is that going to allow me to do it? And, you know, there really is no concrete answer for any of this, but it, it's, it's really insightful to chat and get different opinions and similar opinions oh, on it, you know, is, is what's going on. Um, you know, you'd mentioned freedom there and the big thing in, you know, going on in the world now and, you know, you're in a semi truck is, you know, the freedom convoy. And I wanted to ask you about that because we're, we're talking about diesels. We're talking about things that are current um, with all these subject really years. You know, what are your thoughts about that? What, what do you think about what's going on, you know, in Canada? And then also what we've heard is it may happen in the United States. You know, not to get too much into people's ideologies, not idolatry, um, ideas of, uh, of what is right and what is wrong and how we're going to protect each other. And be honest with you, uh, it's not my responsibility to protect anybody, but myself and who I feel that I need to protect around me. And just as much as it's everybody else's responsibility to take care of themselves, uh, we'll put it, we'll leave it at that. Whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, I agree fully 100% of what that convoy is doing. Those people are being patriots to their country. And I'll, I'll say it too, the, the, the people that are anti-protesting, they're, they're patriots in some way uh, as well. But I'm fully 100% of what they're doing. And I think they're showing us how to do it. It's just phenomenal what the news is telling these people. I don't know if you guys uh, subscribe to certain other. I mean, who, who are you watching to uh, um, to get your updates on it? Well, I think if I watch most of the mainstream stuff, I hear the same thing over and over again. Um, and so 
I mean, I've for a long time have always sought out alternative you know, news, independent news, people who aren't part of the mainstream media because I want varying opinions and I want to make my own formulate my own opinion based on it, not just hear the same thing on four different channels. So I hear a little bit of everything and I, I, I see, you know, both sides. I could turn on one channel and you know, I hear one side of what they think of the truckers in Canada. I turn it on the other and I, it's the complete opposite and you got to make up your own mind, you know, which source you right. trust and, and which one you think is right. I've been following this lawyer. He calls himself Viva Fry. That guy has been interesting to watch and, and I like his style. Um, even though he's not meant for this stuff at all, but he turned himself bit went full YouTube and he'll go out and walk through the Capitol and just talk to different people, you know? So they, I guess the government said that there's a bunch of homophobes and transphobes and, and racist people. And he talked to everybody and stuff not true at all there was a so-called racist flag they got a picture of one person that and the the freedom movement kicked them out and then you hear of you know all this other stuff oh they don't agree with all canadians and you know and this is a fringe group and i'm like going they're canadians they're also americans too i mean that's that's beside the point yeah um it, it's just interesting is when there's a narrative and they're not even fully transparent of what that narrative is why do you think people don't want the mandates anymore and they don't want their their uh, country closed down anymore same with this country i mean it's like my home state of california and please i've already heard well go ahead send me more information on why i should move out of california i think it's great um but you know we have californians that are owner operators that left from california to go help support these guys that's phenomenal so y'all keep being upset at california but i'm gonna say where were you people when they started making those laws and pushing things back to emissions how come none of the states and none of the people that were being told on by california air resource board how come nobody went and sued after sued them personally it's 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 i don't think you can um, but you know, it'd have been nice if states would actually say, Hey, California, leave our people alone, you know, back the heck off. But none of that's going to happen because no one's calling their state representatives and saying, Hey, but back to the freedom rally, I think that's freaking phenomenal. And I hope we're able to do it too, or something. It's unfortunate that company drivers and a lot of people that are, um, not from this country, uh, that are driving, they're not going to understand or be able to, or be allowed to, uh, participate. It's kind of going to be one of those things. Um, but it's going to be the owner operators once again, that toe the line and it, it, in the event that we need to do that right now, our, I think our own defiance right now is what's really working, working out. And they're finally learning, okay, we need to back off two years of this when it was only supposed to be three months, you know, what's been really interesting to see from people outside of, I almost feel like I'm in my own little world around diesel and the lifestyle and everything else is, you know, I, I can't even tell you how many diesel companies or shops I've been to where they know the value of trucking. That's where they're getting their parts or transmissions are getting loaded onto semi trucks. They're dependent on this stuff. They understand, um, the flow of goods. 
And I compare that to people that are outside and they just, you know, they go to the grocery store. There's always chicken. There's always beef. There's always all these things there. They go to the gas station. There's always fuel there. And there's a tremendous amount of panic with people who aren't familiar, don't understand how important trucking is to civilization. And, you know, when, when the bridges are closed and, you know, you see on the news, well, you know, Ford and GM and Honda and Toyota are, you know, closing or, uh, plants or, you know, running on smaller crews cause they can't get parts. And it's like, they're, everything we have is, is based on trucking. And it, there's a reason that they're doing this. And it's, well, it, it's a good thing you said that because what sucks about that is the fact that they're not coming together with those drivers those companies are profit driven by shareholders and they can't disappoint their shareholders because they're needing those dividends at hoarders did i say shareholders wow (laughs) (laughs) anyways um so uh but so they're putting pressure on everything oh open it up move those truck drivers out i mean trudeau that doggone cuban decided to call our president and ask, you know, hey, what should I do in this situation? Come on, really? So, and he won't even go and talk to the drivers. But these larger corporations that we seem to reward, once again, we shouldn't be rewarding bad behavior, but we need their vehicle and we like their vehicle. I guess we're going to get their vehicle. That's just how we are. Um, especially if we need to get home to work or we need to, you know, look good because the Mustang doesn't fall apart as much or no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, um, that, that, that kind of hurts the whole situation instead of, and now they're just demonizing them for being in a protest. You know, it's like, Oh, you know, you truck drivers just need to continue driving. Um, I don't know. It's that, that was just odd for them to put pressure on them like that and, uh, open it up. But, you know, I'm not going to, you know, they, they actually did it the right way. They peacefully opened it up. They walked away, they moved their trucks and it was no big deal. And then we find out that was actually a fringe group that wasn't even part of the freedom. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I think I heard because I heard the freedom route, uh, um, convoy said that there was a lot of fringe groups that they weren't really connected with and part of and weren't really claiming them as part of their group. But, you know, once again, people are going to do what they, you know, what they think is right at that, at that time or moment. So, but at least they left peacefully and they did exactly what they were supposed to. So it, so it didn't reflect badly on the rest of the, um, uh, of the movement. Now we're hearing Justin Trudeau is supposed to be doing a press release here shortly on uh the use of uh the emergency their emergency act um what's going on so it's going to be interesting to see um yeah i think uh something important to take you know somebody's listening and they're like well you know i'm i uh i hear this a lot like if if uh we kind of talk about something that's not specifically truck related is like um you know, hey, well, you know, I want to know about the turbos. I want to know about the transmissions and the injectors that I use. But it, it is related in a very real way because we had talked about the RPM Act and we had talked about why wasn't there more fight earlier? What's the viability of this passing? Or why didn't people come together? Why wasn't there more cooperation? And then we see it on the nightly news now with what's going on with the Freedom Convoys and just the, the kind of uh, – the, the movement or the frustrations that people have had and it, it, it almost mirrors itself 
you know, in a way. And I think that's why it's important to support um, these aftermarket groups, these places that are trying to, you know, fight for Ritz gas performance, diesel performance, uh, motorcycles. And there's a whole host of different things that it could be why it's important to get involved early. And yeah, we might have differences in, in, in different angles, but it's uh, it's important to have that that unity to to fight or to be able to even sit down at that table and be able to negotiate like we talked about what would the RPM Act look like going through the House, the Senate and to the to the president is there's going to be negotiation along the way. And how do you just get a seat at that table? Right. Well, that's just that's why we got to put our differences aside. So what? You know, man, it's just that's the a lot of our diesel community. I mean, not saying, you know, just some of the very top. And I've dealt with it even when I was doing manipulation with Google for them. I mean, I took one company was making a hundred thousand a month and up to 600,000 a month. But since his mindset was, I built this, I built this all. I need you to do it cheaper. I was like, make it $11 an hour before I left. Well, I got fired because my ego got involved too, but it was a good friend. But even then I, I, I was scraping away, you know, trying to help them. But the simple fact that ego on all ends was just at an all-time high because they want to be recognized as the one that brought this up to this level and they're selling the parts and the products or making them. It doesn't matter. Uh, or, Oh, so-and-so did me wrong. You know, sometimes we have to learn to put those aside and say, okay, we had a healthy competition. Yeah. We said some bad things. Let's get, let's get this together and get back to making money. However, I have to go back into the conspiracy theory because once again, it feels like, because I remember telling you guys this last time with the emissions that they're not stupid. They understand psychology. And this is where I think that we're in a, a slight social change. And this has nothing to do with um, just diesel performance in general. This has to do with everything that goes on with the globe and how we're going to live and react with things. Um, and the simple fact that the best way to keep a nation from rising up is to always make it to where they're barely getting their head above water. And as long as they're able to get their bills somewhat paid and food in their children's bellies, they're going to just sit back and just be on the low while they're trying to get, keep their head above water. And the less you're able to keep, let people get somewhat successful, the harder it is for them to want to fight. And then when you can control media and in communications, that makes it hard as well. I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to be Alex Jones here, but <laughs> it's just, but it, there, there is a some somewhat of a similitude that's going on. Look what it's happening to Joe Rogan of all all things. Yeah. I mean, that guy right there, they someone who was making point zero three cents per download of their music is upset that they went and hired Joe Rogan, who's already had multi-million dollar, multi-million people following. And they didn't have enough time, but they were able to 
make time to do all that successful people don't have time to do that but people that aren't that successful do have time so they're going to do whatever they can in order to look at me look at me look at me you know it doesn't matter with race or anything in that moment it's a simple fact you're upset that you're not as um popular as that person is and it's difference between music and podcasts which by the way how many people are actually uh uh, subscribe to your guys' podcast. I always wanted to know. It's really tough. You know, the, the, the podcast side of things, it's so different than like YouTube when you go into a channel and you can see how many subscribers, which I think we're up to 22,000. But there's so many different places that, <clears throat> excuse me, that people consume it. You can see downloads. But the true number, like say on iTunes or Spotify, it's so hard to tell. They, they just don't have it. You can just see your downloads. Um, but oh, I wow. think... I think last year I was about, it was over 2 million. I can't remember the exact number of plays on you know the episodes we did. And yeah, I remember the first year it was, gosh, it was such a long time ago. It feels like an eternity, but it was like a hundred thousand or something the first year. And it, you know, as it's grown and it's taken on kind of a, a life of itself and podcasts have become more accepted. Like, you know, the first two or three years of doing one, I'd you know, message somebody and say, Hey, you want to come on the podcast? And I'm like, what's a podcast? Or you try to get a company on. And they're like, why would I do a podcast? Well, and I didn't actually, this came full circle. You'd, you'd you know, and ask me, you know, where do you watch the news or where do you get your information? And one of the things I found that bothered me so much about it is people talk in these 60 to 90 second clips and I can't get the information or I can't have an engaging conversation or watch it between the guests. Whereas a podcast, you just turn it on and go. So there isn't this timer that says, oh, we got to stop. I got to do an ad right now. I got to shout out a sponsor. Oh, I got to do this. It's just, let's have a conversation and chat and I can get engrossed in it. That's what I love about podcasts and being able to reach somebody in their truck or if they're on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify, whatever it might be, they get to listen to this conversation. They get to start thinking about, hey, you know, maybe I should read more about the RPM Act. Maybe I should contact my representatives. Maybe I should, uh, you know, join these aftermarket uh, you know, groups and, and support them. I didn't know it was quite like this. And that's what's so interesting about doing these and, and what keeps us going on gosh, year six of it. Uh, and I, I've been, it's been great watching you guys grow too. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I don't do podcasts Been thinking about it. Uh, I just don't think I would um, be able to develop the natural following like you guys have. I still think you guys ought to do a couple of, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, press releases and some, maybe some targeted ad spending just to get your guys up a little bit further into the whole realm of it. But, you know, it, once again, like I said, you know, everybody has priorities. Sometimes that isn't one of the deals and it's okay to naturally build the bit, uh, the vehicle with uh, word of mouth. Uh, Julie Steed, I think Steed's performance. I love her and what she does all word of mouth. Yeah no advertising whatsoever. They don't believe in it. And and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And they're able to carve out a good niche. I think, uh, the Gilbert stainless steel, stainless diesel, I love what they do. Um, you know, once again, uh, they're, everybody is able to do what they need to do and make things happen. And I think that's great. And be having them on the podcast would be awesome too. I mean, just to hear their insight of certain things, and not so much as just, you know, how is this going to help benefit my business? Well, it'll benefit your business, 
But at the same time, you could actually show people why you're passionate. You're not just a cold, hard piece of metal. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it that does that? Why is it that my part is able to do those things? And a lot of people don't understand the passion behind it and why they do things and how long they've been at it or where they come from. Sometimes just that story in itself is awesome. You know, just, or, you know, I don't know. It, It, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. I think podcasts are phenomenal. Um, I'm a nobody, to be honest with you. I, I don't even know why I'm here on the internet. <laughs> I'm talking, but I appreciate you guys letting me on and talk. Um, well, but uh, well, 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 exactly the topics we covered are, 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 are why we do these. And uh, I have so much fun just, just chatting with people, whether it's doing, you know, they did a restoration on their truck or they're racing. And when we were first thinking about doing the podcast, the thing that stuck out to me is, you know, having been to shy diesel extravagance and having been to these other events is I would see these people who are, you know, they're known in the industry. They build a turbo or transmission or ejectors or CP three. And I follow them and I see them in the magazines and I see their race trucks. I might have 10 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe tops a minute to chat with them at a booth. Maybe. Yeah. And how much information can I really gather that way? And so, when they do come on to the to the podcast it's so cool because for 30 to 60 minutes some of them are two hours is being able to chat with somebody who was a pioneer in this or somebody who built something really cool or somebody who um you know is out there racing you just have that that unfiltered time which is so different than like instagram or facebook you see the ads scrolling and you got to capture their attention really quick or um you know an ad like on youtube or something like that you know it's just it's real quick and it's just the attention. That's what I really like is being able to showcase these stories. We've heard a lot of inspirational ones from people with their businesses, how they've overcome things. I would never know, you know, things that Lenny Reed from Dynamite Diesel that has said on this podcast, unless it was a right. podcast, I wouldn't know at the booth. I wouldn't know maybe even going to the shop and just being able to deliver that to someone who I don't a shop be in the same position. And, and not everybody could be around the same circles with them. Yeah. And be able to go to the same events and have those kind of stories. Cause usually the, we, we have like, when I get together with competition diesel guys, you know, or my guys over in West coast, like Ponzi's or Jefferson state, which by the way, I think we're going to do a thumb your nose at the government and do something over in our Arcata, California. So everyone blow up uh Ponzi's diesel performance and oh wait, don't do that. No, don't do that. Um, yeah, please don't blow them up. Let's not do that because I think there's some insurance and stuff involved. But if you're interested, get a hold of me and I'll try and find out when we're going to have that event. Because uh, I think uh, this is going to be all not related to any sort of um, it's it's not a sanctioned event. It's just to get together and just race our vehicles and have a barbecue at the end. That's all. There's not going to be any commercial or nothing like that so yeah don't blow them up because i don't want their business because california is freaking ooh. <laughs> and y'all tell me why i st- stay there well someone needs to put in the fight all right because if we all moved out california would get worse and guess what all those laws that they pass would be now in your state as well so get it together folks someone needs to stay and fight i'm just saying california is one of the prettiest states i've ever lived in pretty much most of my life and I travel the country and there's not a place in this country that I would not say is pretty. Uh, uh, believe me, I love every bit about this United States. That's the reason why I decided to get back in the truck and drive 
is because one, I needed to get away from the business I was at and get my heads together. And two, it's like you get to see the whole country. Granted, you don't get to stop and hit a museum or nothing like that. But the simple fact is I'm out there alone with my thoughts, listening to the diesel podcast and rolling with it. And it's just enjoying what has been created here. Um, It just boggles my mind. So I I listen to a lot of podcasts, not just yours, Um, but uh, it, it, unfortunately there's another podcast I've been trying to get on, but those guys there, it, it has to be commercially viable diesel related. And I'm like, going, geez, guys, no wonder you guys are kind of dull right now. I haven't been listening to them in a while. Anyways, it's not because they won't let me on. It's just simply because it's all commercialized and, you know, meant to maximize what they're trying to do, which I don't fault. And I totally respect it's all it's, you could do whatever you want on a podcast. That's the reason why we have it. Um, I want to talk about something I don't think a lot of people do know, know about. And the president kind of threw us a bone, um, right to repair. You know, I I don't know if you know about it, but I'm sure you can get the right people on there and maybe you could do a little fact checking while we're talking about it. So it started, I think it was two years ago in Nebraska, a bunch of farmers got into it with John Deere. And what happened was uh, their tractor was would break down and they would have to be sent to John Deere in order to be worked on. And most of the time it was something simple that they could have done themselves. But the simple fact that John Deere doesn't really have too many people that they will send to your farm, which is probably about 300 miles away. They would rather you just, oh, it's under warranty, ship it over here. Well, that's a tractor that's not doing work in their field that they have on a time schedule in order to grow stuff. So the farmer said, guess what? We're going to buy software or we're going to, we found out that we can buy laptops from other countries that already have John Deere software. So we could go back to doing the work we can do, keep these tractors running. Well, it's legal in all those countries because those countries forced the issue. But when it came to this country, John, Deer pulled out of Apple's playbook and said, foul, that's intellectual property. You are not supposed to have it. These systems are complex and you would be putting people's safety in jeopardy, including your own. We will not have you doing that. So the farmers took them to court. They lost in court. That was a big blow. But here's the other thing that people don't realize. Once again, let's not reward bad behavior john deere got help from not only apple they also got help from general motors they got help from um can't think of the other tech giant oh tesla jumped in on the deal it's it's open record i think i could be wrong about some i'm pretty sure apple and general motors were part of it and which is too bad because I really like General Motors vehicles. Their Duramaxes are still awesome. Uh, and, I, and I wish they had more, you know, at least diesel economy cars because golly, man, those things are great. My Mercedes is still kicking it. I mean, I get out of a 5,000 pounds. It's a thousand pounds less than my 7.3 power stroke. And I get 34 miles per gallon on the highway and that thing. Come on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I can tow a horse trailer if I wanted to. Uh, but yeah, it, it was extraordinary that that went down. And then, uh, what do you call it? Joe Biden, because of, uh, what happened? 
I think it had something to do with a YouTuber called Lewis Roseman, who was fixing Apple laptops on, on YouTube. And uh, him and a whole bunch of other people were pushing for a right to repair. And Joe Biden threw us a bone. So now they're re-looking at a uh, right to repair again. But we all know that there's going to be some special circumstances. Um, I mean, I find it interesting that they don't want to allow me, who has a degree, to work on my own vehicle. They would rather I don't. Yeah. They don't want shops that are not paid in to licensing in order to work on their vehicles. So it's like they're using safety and software and intellectual properties in order to protect their interests. They really don't care about the end user unless he's paying them money. But at the same time, they want more money. So they don't care about the end user because they want that vehicle to come back to them in order to be repaired, regardless of your skill level. Granted, there's some people I probably wouldn't want to freaking work on my vehicle. It's just, (laughs) no, sorry. You know, but, and there's, and there's a times where probably I shouldn't be working on that certain vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I'm sure there's, that's a whole podcast in itself. And, uh, so it's always really cool about chatting with you is, uh, you know, just being able to get a, uh, just get a, uh, you know, hear your opinions, the things and, and the, industries you're involved in, you know, just get your thoughts on it. And that's, um, you know, one of the reasons I say this is a people's podcast all the time is what people want to hear is what we put on, whether it's commercial or not, or whether it's, uh, you know, talking about, a whatever it might be, we just want to be able to, uh, cover all things diesel. So I appreciate you chatting with us today, making time for us and uh, taking time out of your schedule. And, uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future. Things seem to be changing all the time and very quickly. So I'm sure we'll have, uh, plenty of content to be able to go through, you know, in the future. So we'll have to connect down the road, but like I said, I appreciate your time today and, and chatting with us again. Hey, my, my pleasure. Can I give a quick few shout outs real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the, some of these people you might want to have on your uh, podcast. Uh, let's see. Um, anybody that's been part of major part of competition diesel, like Richard Haltom, uh, Mr. Shears, uh, that Preston, um, Brad Mackinnon at GNJ Diesel Forums. You ever have him on? I haven't had him on, but I have. Uh, I know who he is. Um, I know their company um, pretty well. I know they do a lot of good work up there. Oh, all great people! All of those people are great people. You already had Garrett Shields on, um, Julie Steed. Steed uh, you already had them. The Gilberts. Uh, no, I don't think you have had Julie Steed. 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 No, I haven't. Um, I haven't. I haven't had the time. I had Johnny from Stainless in the past to talk about racing and the VP44 stuff, which was That's really cool right. turbos. And, yeah. Well, now that things are kind of changing, it's probably good to revisit. But the competition diesel, our Travis Groblevy would be a good one to have. He's one of the guys over there. So if you can get him and most of those crew together, I think you're going to have a riot with a lot of stories that come out because, man – that's one thing that I miss about a lot of stuff. And in the NHDRA, I'm surprised you haven't been able to get a hold of those guys to do a podcast. Um, we had so many cool stories just over the years, not just SEMA, but in life in general, get together and hanging out. Uh, and some of them more so that didn't involve me. It was just with them and listening to their stories and 
getting them. I mean, we got a guy that's a police officer. We used to call him Swole Carnage, and he called himself Swole Carnage. He lives out there in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. You go to my Facebook page, you see all the people that have ever been part of Diesel since since the time it before it blew up till now. Uh, I've either made acquaintance with or friends with, and there's, I don't think you could ever pull more stories out of a lot of those people and what they think what's going on now. And then you get some of the innovators. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. He made 3000 horsepower with the Cummins. Oh, shoot. Chris Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. I was like, I would never expected it, but here it comes. And, you know, it's like, well, he did something that, uh, some of the other friends that I like, you know, um, who was it? He almost killed himself. Guy with the Mohawk. Golly, I'm tired folks. I've been driving all day. <laughs> um, and then, uh, the French peacock, that would be, uh, Dimitri. Well, we call him the sparkle britches. I'm sorry. Poor guy. Um, but the other guy, I can't think of his name, the Mohawk. He was always number two at the power challenge. Um, but anyways, yeah, that guy, I would never expected him to come out with 3000 horsepower before those other two that kept saying, you know, I'm going to break 2000. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, all right, cool. Go for it. And then this guy comes out with 3000. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. my goodness. Right. No cussing family friendly. Um, but yeah, just give a good shout out to those guys out there. Um, there's uh, the Brown family, Dex Brown. That's They were part of the competition diesel. Dex Brown passed uh, with us a long time ago. Uh, Pinky, you've had her on. Um, you know, any of those people out there, I think people, I miss you all. I miss all the stuff we're getting together. Let me know if you guys want to try and make the trek. I know it's a long ways to go from wherever you're at to Arcata, California for a, for a race. But please let's make this happen you know especially on the west coast we could totally say you know what forget it and just to let you know they still have yet to put anything in place so if you're driving across the border ain't nobody gonna look at your tailpipe or exhaust so you're good to go on that one um they don't they don't have the infrastructure set up so whatever you've heard is pretty much rumors it's very rare that i've seen or heard of a truck getting pulled over uh for an emissions deal unless it didn't pass a snap idle or was just smoking as it was coming through the scale house so just to leave it to that one but yeah i miss i miss all the getting together in the hangouts and uh the racing those were always fun um we'll see what happens with the sema show from here out and how it morphs you know we're starting to get back together and starting to open up things so Patrick, thank you for having me on, brother. It's it's been a pleasure, man, and I I really do hope you, we do this again soon. Definitely. Thanks again. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kiausa.com. Check out tons of different knives they have, regardless of you know anything you need anything you need to be able to do at the shop, at home, outdoors. Um, there's so many choices. They've been around for a really long time, and it's uh, you know it's something that you, know, you use all the time. And so you want to make sure that the product that you get, you know, it's dependable, it works, um, and fits your lifestyle. And that's what they really pride themselves on is being able to offer products that you need and, you know, to meet any budget. So make sure and check them out. I also want to give a shout out to a couple of our Patreon sponsors, Texas Diesel Supply, Rights Diesel Services, and also Caleb. We appreciate their support. 
and all of our supporters, whether you listen to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, any of the podcast apps, you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, you're on our Discord. Um, you know, we appreciate uh, that support that's helped us grow. Which this is year, it's going to be year seven or six, um, heading towards year seven. And the stories and the support you guys have given us, you know, they keep us going. There's so much going on in diesel, so much going on with, uh, you know, the trucks that we love, the, the things we want to do with them. So we want to thank you guys for that. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.